Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naran Chaivanurotamam Devim Sarasatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udiraye We're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 11, Text Number 38. Etarishanam Ishasya Prakritisto Pitat Gunai Nayujate Sadatma Stair Yatabhudis Tadashaya Etarishanam Ishasya Prakriti Sto Pitad Gunai Prakriti Sto Pitad Gunai Etari Shana Mishasya Prakritisto Pitad Gunai Prakritisto Pitad Gunai Yujate Sadatmasta Yujate Sadatmasta Ishasya of the personality of Godhead Prakritista being in contact with material nature Api in spite of Tadgunai by the qualities Na never Yujate is affected Sada Atmastai by those who are situated in eternity Yata as is Buddhi intelligence Tat the Lord Ashraya those who are under the shelter of Translation This is the divinity of the personality of Godhead. He is not affected by the qualities of material nature even though he is in contact with them. Similarly, the devotees who have taken shelter of the Lord do not become influenced by the material qualities. Purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. In the, Vedas, in the Vedas and Vedic literatures, Shruti and Smriti, it is affirmed that in the divinity there is nothing material. He is transcendental, nirguna, only the Supreme Cognizant. Hari, or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, 
is the supreme transcendental person situated beyond the range of material affection. These statements are also confirmed by Acharya Shankara. One may argue that his relation with the goddess of fortune may be transcendental, but what about his relation with the Yadu dynasty? Being born in that family or his killing the non-believers like Jarasandha and other asuras directly in contact with the modes of material nature. The answer is that the divinity of the personality of God it is never in contact with the qualities of material nature in any circumstances. Actually, he is in contact with such qualities because he is the ultimate source of everything, yet he is above the actions of such qualities. He is known, therefore, as Yogeshwara, or the master of mystic power, or in other words, the all-powerful. Even his learned devotees are not affected by the influence of the material modes. The great six Goswamis of Vrindavan all came from greatly rich and aristocratic families, but when they adopted the life of mendicants at Vrindavana, superficially they appeared to be in a wretched condition. Superficially they appeared to be in wretched conditions of life, but factually they were the richest of all in spiritual values. Such Mahabhagavatas, or first grade devotees, although moving amongst men, are not contaminated by honor or insult hunger or satisfaction, sleep or wakefulness, which are all resultant actions of the three modes of material nature. Similarly, some of them are engaged in worldly dealings, yet are unaffected. Unless these neutralities of life are there, one cannot be considered situated in transcendence. Due to a previous material contamination, he is nevertheless to be accepted as fully transcendental because of his being engaged 100% in the devotional service of the Lord. The Lord protects him always because of his rendering service unto him, and the fallen conditions are to be considered accidental and temporary. They will vanish in no time. Attracted to and advocated the method of worship of the gopis of Vrindavan. In fact, it is said in the Bhagavatam, that simply by hearing about the pastimes of Krishna with his associates in the spiritual world, that one becomes liberated. Very quickly, the desires within the heart, the dread desire, kama or lust in the heart is dissipated by hearing about Krishna and his associates. Therefore, Prabhupada reasons that how is it that the activities of the Lord uh, could be mundane. Indeed, they're not, because uh, even those who are liberated, as Bhagavatam says, nigranta apyurukrame, that the liberated souls are even attracted <coughs> by the pastimes of Krishna. So just as hearing about the pastimes of Krishna liberates one from material existence, and just as those who are already liberated from material existence are attracted to the pastimes of Krishna. The, we can understand, therefore, that these are not ordinary pastimes, but they're transcendental to the material nature. So this is important because, as Prabhupada points out, if Krishna is subject to the touch of the material nature, is controlled by it in any way, then 
there's no use to reading the Bhagavad Gita because that would be ordinary literature. But it's not ordinary literature because of the fact that Krishna is beyond the material nature. And Krishna makes much of this in the Gita himself where he says, Janma karma cha me divyam evam yoviti tattvata tyakvadeham punar janma naitima meti surjuna that if you simply know in truth that my nature, which is that I'm not touched at all by the three modes of material nature, and my birth, apparent birth in this world, and my activities, which appear sometimes to be like ordinary activities, as is mentioned here, the question comes up, what about his association with so-called ordinary people like the Yadu dynasty, like Jaiti Jana Nivasa Devaki Janmavaru Yaruvari Parishat Swara Dobir Asyana Dharmams mentioned that he's he walks among the people, one of his names, Jananivas. He's he he moves amongst ordinary people, apparently. But he's never uh, ever affected and and he's not a part of the ordinary um <clears throat> population of the, of the world. He's completely transcendental. So the modes of material nature emanate from Krishna and therefore uh, he's not affected by them. Uh, he's the source of them as he's the source of everything. As mentioned in the Bhagavatam, Varanti brameti paramatmeti bhagavan iti shabdyate. There's Advaya Gyan Tattva, Krishna is one, however he has many energies uh, or divisions of, of energies, even though he's one absolute truth. There's Brahman, Paramatma and Bhagavan. And similarly, his uh, various energies are described in the Vishnu Purana, Vishnu Shakti Paraprokta, Kshetra Gyakya Tatapara, Avidya Karmasam Gyangyash, Tritya Shakti Rishite. Basically, Vishnu Purana says there are three energies of the Lord. One is his internal potency, the other is his external potency, and the third is his energy of the, the living entities. And all of them are under his control. They all emanate from him, and he controls them. He's the one absolute truth. All energies emanate from him. And even the external energy, which is, uh, as Vishnu Purana says, Shetarkyakya it is exhibited in fruit of activities, the influence of the external energy, never affects the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna confirms more in the Bhagavad Gita, Tribir Gunamayar Bhaveribi Sarvamidam Jagat Mohitam Nabijanati Mamivya Paramavyayam. That these three modes, goodness, passion, and ignorance, are controlled by me. I never come under their influence. So this is uh, knowledge. Anyone who knows this about the Supreme Personality of God had also become transcendental. Krishna says, You don't take birth again here in this material world. Mayavad philosophy has, uh, propounds the idea that actually the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his manifest, personal manifestation is a part of Maya. His, uh, he's made of Maya. He may be a bigger uh, manifestation uh, than uh, what others are experiencing, but he's still under the influence, and one one becomes free from any kind of conception of form. Then 
one actually becomes liberated and beyond the three modes of material nature. But this is a mistaken <coughs> conception, not, uh, first of all, not logical, and second of all, is not uh, supported from the, the Vedic scriptures. As Prabhupada points out in this purport, ultimately even Shankara admitted, who propounded the Mayavad philosophy, that Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, it is beyond the three modes of material nature. So then Prabhupada explains in the purport that those who are devotees of the Lord, even if they are seemingly fallen at some point, jatu, for some reason or another, they come under the influence of, of the three modes of material nature. It doesn't affect them like ordinary people. This is mentioned throughout the Bhagavatam, that uh, those who take to Krishna consciousness, although they may, uh, for one reason or another, be affected by worldliness, uh, can never be affected like ordinary people. For instance, Narada Muni, in the fifth chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam says, Navajano jatu kachanchanam vrajan mukunda sevan yavaranga samsritim smaran mukundang grupakuhana purnar vihatamichenna rasaga hojana. And this verse means that a devotee, Navajano jatu kachanchana vrajan, if, if a devotee somehow or other becomes influenced by the three modes of material nature and falls down from the pro process of devotional service temporarily, Navajano jatit katanchana vrajin, mukunda sevan yavarangra samsmitim. That person can't forget the, the, the uh, taste of devotional service. Smaran mukundang grupaguhanam purnar, because having once been embraced by Krishna, upaguhanam, uh, that person then, rasa graho, Rasagraho means that he's grabbed by rasa. Or as Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says in this verse, he's haunted by rasa. So those who have tasted the nectar of devotional service, even though they may become affected by worldliness due to the power of maya and due to the past habits that a person has, that some scars sometimes announce themselves unexpectedly. That person is rasagraho. He's haunted by rasa, and he, he remembers again and again the nectar of being embraced by Krishna, upaguhanam. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur goes on to say that this doesn't only apply to people who have uh, gone past asakti into bhava, but it also applies to neophyte devotees who have just begun the process of devotional service because, he says, even from the very beginning of the process of devotional service, there's an indescribable taste in taking to the process. Of course, Rupa Goswami describes in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that as soon as one takes up the practice of pure devotional service, there are six characteristics. One is one be, first is one becomes free from all uh, distress, worldly distress, because simply by taking to the process of devotional service, one's previous karmas are crushed. This is uh, borne out in the verse given as evidence by Rupa Goswami from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where he quotes, Aprabhabda palam paptam kutam bijam palon mukam kramenaiva priliyante vishnu bhakti ratatmanam. And that is that anyone who's become a devotee of Lord Vishnu is no longer subject to karma because it's destroyed by the process of devotional service. That's why he becomes free from material distress. 
Similarly, yastvindra gopa matavendra mahosa karma bhandan rupa palabhajana matanoti karmani nirdhati kintucha bhakti bhajam govindamari purushamta mahambhajami. Brahma states in the Brahma Sanghita that by the process of bhakti bhajan, yastvindra gopa, even though everyone's getting their karma from indra down to the indra gopa germ, tiny little bug, Still one who's taken to the process of devotional service. Karma is destroyed because of one's bhakti bhajan. Therefore, uh, one feels immediate relief from distress when one takes to the process of devotional service, the beginning of auspiciousness, one feels transcendental pleasure. Devotional service is rarely achieved. It's also the only way to uh, please Krishna. And those in pure devotional service are uh, abhor even the idea of liberation. These are the uh, characteristics of pure devotional service mentioned by Rupa Goswami <coughs> in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Further evidence is given in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam that those who have taken to the path of devotional service uh, are easily rectified because they are very dear to Krishna. Because when one takes to bhakti, especially one is protected by Krishna, because one's fully dependent on Krishna in bhakti. In fact, this is the meaning of bhakti, <coughs> is full, su full surrender to Krishna. Jiva Goswami writes that the devotee takes Krishna's statement in the Bhagavad Gita, sarva dharman parityaja mame kam sharanam raja hangtong sarva pape bhyo muksha ishami masucha as his life and soul. He's always meditating on it. And the mood of devotional service is full surrender to Krishna. Therefore, Bhagavatam says, sapadamulam bhajata priyasya tyaktanya bhavesa hare priyeshaha vikarma yachchot patitam katan chidhunoti sarvam hridisani vishta even if one Somehow or other, again it's mentioned, somehow or other, one uh, does vikarma, falls down from the uh, process of devotional service and does something worldly, then there's no need for prayaschitta, an ordinary prayaschitta, because Krishna has already entered within the heart of the devotee. Dhunoti sarvam hridisanivishta. And if one continues the process of the devotional service, then Krishna will rectify the heart of the devotee, and the reason is because the devotee is very dear to Lord Krishna. Similarly, as one's performing devotional service, one may feel that it's very difficult to overcome the influence of the past bad habits. But Krishna also gives instruction in the Bhagavatam that the devotee shouldn't be discouraged. He or she should continue with the process because when one's performing devotional service, one's very dear to Lord Krishna. And in due course of time, he will rectify any of the anartas that are there within the heart of the devotee. Jata shradamat kata su nirvina sarva karma su. Veda dukatma kankamams prityage pranishvara tatobaje tamam prita shradhalur jridhanishchaya jushamanams tatankamams dukodarkams tagarayan. He says sometimes devotees take devotional service and they feel disgusted with material activities. They know that all engagement in the material world leads to misery, but still, they're still not able to overcome the um, 
uh, sense gratification. So Tatopa Jetamam Prita, these devotees you should know are very dear to me. Uh, therefore, Tatopa Mam Prita, Shradalur Judanishjaya, one should go on very determinedly in the process of devotional service. Jushamanams Chatan Kamams. In due course of time, uh, all of the uh, last vestiges of anartas will be vanquished. And therefore, Krishna says, don't get depressed. Because you should know that the power of devotional service is so great that you'll be able to overcome. One last point before we take reflections and questions is that this uh, juxtaposition of Krishna's omniscience and his way of uh, ex um, expressing or showing um, a kind of charming uh, fascination with his own energies and how they're working and sometimes seemingly uh, being oblivious to how they're working as in the case of the uh, coward boys walking to the mouth of Agasura. It's described there that there's mugdata, which means a kind of divine ignorance that Krishna displays as a coward boy and he's also uh, also called Sarvagyata, which means that he's, <laughs> at the same time, he's a knowledge of everything at every second. So when the coward boys saw Agasura, they had an argument about whether he was a real snake or a, or a snake that was just a setup as a playground. But then they realized that it was a real snake, and then they made an interesting decision, and that was to enter into the mouth of the demon. Krishna was watching from afar, and he noticed that they were walking into the mouth of the snake. And he was astonished at how his shaktis were working at that point. This is a, an example of mugdata. And lila shakti, or his energy, internal potency that uh, seamlessly helps to enact Krishna's pastimes, was... Uh, informing the boys and Krishna at the same time, or rather she was making the arrangement for, for this to take place, and Krishna was amazed at it. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains that the boys were entering within the snake's mouth because they wanted the pleasure of being saved by Krishna. They enjoyed that as part of their playing with Krishna. Oftentimes they got into very uh, difficult situations but then Krishna would come and save them. And uh, Lila Shakti uh, empowered them to walk within the snake's mouth and at the same time uh, then evoked the Karuna Shakti of Krishna, the, the, the Shakti of compassion for his devotees. Now one might say that uh, how could this happen that the, the boys will superseded Krishna's will. Krishna was thinking, don't go in there. And the boys went in anyway. And Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur says, that's because Krishna is subservient to the desires of his devotees. He makes himself subservient out of love. And therefore, the, the will of the boys to enter within the mouth of the snake uh, prevailed. And Krishna did go within, and then he brought them back to life. And he also liberated Agasura. In that pastime, and there are others, there's this exhibition of Krishna's omniscience and at the same time his charming fascination with his own energies and how they're working and seemingly being 
taken aback by them. That's mentioned by Prabhupada in the Krishna book, how he's thinking, how are these energies of mine working? In, in any case, even though they're his energies and he's omniscient and not only in control of them at all times, but also aware of what's happening. So these two things uh, juxtaposed are extremely charming and interesting. So point one is that Krishna never touches the material nature, Safam Rajas Tamayiti Prakritir Gunas Tar Yukta Para Ihasya Yukta Ihasya Dhate Stityade Harivarinshi Hareti Samja Shreyamsi Tafa Kalu Safa Tanur Nrunamsu. Bhagavatam says that the three deities, Vishnu and Shiva and Brahma, are in charge of the th three modalities of the material world, but of the three of them, a Vishnu can be worshipped for ultimate benefit because he's beyond the three modes of material nature. He never comes in contact with it. Now we'll take some reflections and questions. Yes, Prabhu? So, reflection, <coughs> which was that you, you were, uh, just came to my mind that Another example of Krishna uh, being omniscient but then desiring to experience something is Gauranga Mahaprabhu because he's, he, he has this desire to have the experience of Srimati Radharani. So he's, he, that's, it's, it's been interesting to me that he's omniscient, he knows everything and yet he desires something that's that's seemingly outside of his experience, and to do that, he has to accept another uh, another position. But um, I also have some questions. Um, <clears throat> in the beginning, you mentioned about how the Lord never is uh, always beyond the modes of nature. And yet, it also there's there there seems to be some attraction when when the Lord at least appears to be truly experiencing the material world as it is. I mean, in the case of Ramachandra, where he is, his wife is stolen, his his uh, his whole life is is shattered, in, in so many instances. That, that that vision of him as, a, as, as someone like us, for, you know, experiencing human emotion of, of being separated, seems to be also very attractive. So is that just a show, or is it, it, can Krishna also experience what human uh, nature? Well, this is one of the reasons, this meaning Krishna's acting like an ordinary human being as Ramachandra or also as Krishna, is why our Acharyas explain that the uh, Bhoma Vrindavan and Krishna's Leela here on earth is even more fascinating and charming than in Goloka Vrindavan. And there's a sweetness to it because Krishna does act like a for instance, an ordinary child, when he's born, the birth is um, indistinguishable practically, you know, with, if you forget about 
Devaki and Vasudev giving birth to a four-armed child. But when he gets to Yashoda, then this, uh, this birth and his interaction with his mother is, is very human-like. And therefore, it's, it's very relatable. In fact, bhakti itself is very relatable to humans because it, ex it doesn't uh, push away the, the uh, worldly emotions, but actually embraces them. In fact, in our philosophy, there's a crossover. Yuvatinam yata yuni yunam cha yuvatau yata mano biramate tadvan mano me ramatam twayi Rupa Goswami in this verse, which I'll explain in a second, and many other verses that are included in the Padyavali, mentions the, uh, the way in which we can see through human emotions what actual spiritual emotions look like. So, yuvatinam yata yuni yunam cha yuvatau yata mano biramate tadvan mano me he says, just as young boys are attracted to young girls, and young girls are attracted to young boys, naturally, they don't have to be educated in that. It's just what they do. So she said, in the same way, let my attraction be drawn to you, Krishna, in the same spontaneous way. And in other places, he'll describe n normal human emotions, like receiving a love letter. And if anybody's ever received a love letter, at least on Valentine's Day, you must have got one. Um, you know, the, the, the person who's waiting for the letter is uh, anticipating, can't think of anything else, doing work, but not actually fully conscious of the work, because thinking, when's the letter going to come? And finally, when it does come, his hands are shaking. When he opens the letter, what's she going to say? And then you know, just the feel of the letter and then the words itself, he's overwhelmed. And so, so in, in this, uh, Rupa Goswami writes, let me in the same way uh, approach the Bhagavatam. May I feel like the Bhagavatam, let my hands shake. May I be so absorbed in hearing the, the, the verses of the Bhagavatam that I'm overwhelmed with that same feeling. So it's... Uh, Bhakti is the most natural of all the processes because it's real. And it, and it is the transforming or diverting our, nor, our worldly emotions and attachments back to where they belong to Krishna. Tvayime nanya vishaya matir madu patesakrit ratim utvahata adha nangivaugam udanvati Kunti prays, let my mind be drawn to you the way the Ganges is always drawn to the ocean. And uh, I mean, Mahaprabhu used all kinds of worldly examples. For instance, he described this uh, Vipralamba as uh, a woman who's, uh, has a, uh, who's married but has a lover on the side and that she's doing her housework very carefully, but she's always thinking of the lover. And she's dealing with her family very judiciously, and, but all the time the lover's on her mind, thinking, when will I see him again? So he told Rupa and Sanatan that this is the, the nature of those who are engaged in bhakti, is although they may be involved in the world in one way or another, still they're always thinking of Krishna. And these are all worldly, very relatable examples of human sentiment and then it describes actually what 
to some degree, what it feels like to be in love with Krishna. So when Krishna comes to show his Leela in this world, he exhibits all these uh, seemingly uh, worldly emotions. But they're not worldly emotions, they're actually beyond. And as I explained before, one of the proofs given in the Bhagavatam, Atmaramashtamurayo nigranta apyurukrame, that the Atmaramas, those who are already liberated, they're beyond sentiment, like uh, uh, Sugarev Goswami he's described <laughs> he was so averse to the material world or um, uninterested in it that he didn't want to come out of the womb because he didn't want to get involved and when he did came, come out pravajantamya petakritam viraha kartara ajuhava it's described how he just took off running baby comes out of the womb and takes off usually of course kids do wait till they're 16 usually and say see you later you never did anything for me anyway, and I got to go. But uh, Shukadeva Goswami was 16 when he came out of the womb. He wasn't interested in education. When I was driving through New York, yes, there was all these schools, and I was thinking, you know, everyone comes out with an interest in the world. I want to go to school and become something, become somebody. And the parents have an interest, you know, you have to take the Brahminical initiation and make us proud and all these things. And... He was like, no thanks, not interested. And went to the forest, didn't even wear clothes, and was so detached that even the women who were bathing nearby, when he went by the bathing pond, they didn't even bother to get dressed because they go, he's not part of the world. No need. And then, how did he come back? His father sent out disciples into the forest to read verses from the Bhagavatam out loud. Like, Aho bakiyam stanakalukutam jikamsayaya versus glorifying Krishna who killed Putana but liberated her even though she tried to kill him. And then Shukadeva Goswami's mind became attached. So how did it become attached? She wasn't attached to the material world or any of the modes of material nature. But these seemingly ordinary um, pastime, the human-like pastimes of the Lord attracted his mind. And so if the Atmaramas are attracted, it has nothing to do with the, with the material world. But we can gain the ultimate benefit from hearing these uh, pastimes. Rajavadu Vargena Volkolpita, Srimad Bhagavatam Pramanam. What is the verse? What is it? No, no. Which other one am I thinking of? A famous verse. It says, by hearing the Bhagavatam, one becomes free from... Well, that's, that's a good verse, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. The tenth canto? Anyway, we'll come back. We'll just take uh, more questions and um, comments since we're running out of time. Yes. And please use the microphone so that the devotees online can hear you. And keep it really close to your mouth. Hare Krishna, thank you. So, practically speaking about our case, so it says here that the devotees who have taken shelter of the Lord do not become influenced by the material qualities. And we see how much, at least I see myself, how much they still affect us. So, when you say how even neophytes, they, you know, they get influenced by this um, transcendental nature of the Lord. So, how to surrender? I guess when you surrender fully, then you're not influenced. So what's lacking? How can we transcend the mode? Well, this is, uh, of course, 
the process of surrender um, goes on in the life of a devotee and it may involve having uh, experiences which uh, develop one's deeper conviction that one should be involved in devotional service. And Prabhupada mentions in the light of the Bhagavad that although one may take to devotional service and may have some um, residual effects of material desire and even may uh, have some slip or fall, he said these may not be detrimental. They may become the pillars to success. Because in the life of a devotee, uh, the, these kinds of uh, incidents where one's overcome by an anarta here or there are um, rectified very quickly if he or she continues in the process of devotional service. This is what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Apichet sudaracharo bhajate mamananya bhak sadareva samantavya samyag vyavasitahusa that you should uh, understand that a person who's properly situated in his determination in devotional service is to be considered a sadhu because such a person is on the path back to Godhead. And because of that, even though there's sudarachara, there's worldliness still mixed into that person's activities, Sri Prambhavati Dharmatma Shashvashchantim Nagachati Konteya Pratijani Hinami Bhakta Pranashati. Krishna says in the next verse, very quickly this person will come to the professional stage. So this comes up also in the 10th canto, 14th chapter of the Bhagavatam, in the verse in which Brahma says, Tate anukam tam susumikshamano bunjana evatma kritam vipakam vridvagvafur vir viridam namaste jivita yobhukti sate pade sadaya bhak. And that is that the devotee who reasons that whatever kinds of adversities are coming to me in my life are coming because of my past activities. <coughs> and he or she simply tolerates those things, is, in, is um, fit to inherit the, the kingdom of God. And in the purport, our acharyas have said that although there's no karma for a devotee, it may appear that there are reactions that come to a devotee after he or she has surrendered. And those, says Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, because there's a residual effect of the previous, uh, our previous connection with the material world. And just to remove those last vestiges of attachment to the material world, Krishna arranges circumstances in one's life that appear to be like karma, but are actually his custom-made way of discouraging us from uh, staying in the material world. Because I may have taken to the process of surrender, but there may be some lingering attachments. So he knows, he's very expert at, at removing those. So a devotee is not like or an, an ordinary person, because when he or she has surrendered, then he's in Krishna's hands and he's dealing with the devotee appropriately so there's there there is an, an admonition from krishna therefore that don't uh think ill of the devotee just because he or she is going through and don't think ill of yourself either although he says in the verse i quoted earlier jata shraddha 
you can be a little regretful that you're not there yet. He said, but don't get depressed. And then quit the process. Because the main thing is to keep going. Did that answer your question? And the verse was, Vikritatam Vajrabudur Viraham Chavishnu, Shradhan Vitona Shunu Yada Tavarna Yedya, Bhaktim Param Bhagavate Pratilabhyakamam Hridroga Ashva Pahinot Yacharina Dira. And this verse is spoken by Shukadev Goswami, and he says, You hear the pastimes of Krishna and his associates in Vrindavan, especially coward girls, then you'll be able to overcome the uh, influence of material lust. So if that, since it's transcendental, that's why you're able to overcome, even though it sounds like ordinary activities of boys and girls, just by hearing it, shudhanvito, with the proper context and faith, then one can overcome. Other questions or reflections? Yes, Prabhu. Thank you for I was appreciating this point you're making about divine ignorance. Uh, is um, I was just thinking about the point actually yesterday. I'm reading uh, the pastime when Krishna is fighting with Shalva in Krishna book, and um, it's explained how first he he as they're fighting he apparently kidnapped Vasudev even though it wasn't really Vasudev and he apparently killed him. And Krishna got a little upset at first. It's explained. And, but then he realized, oh, it's not actually. And then they were also fighting, and then Shalva hit him in the arm, and he dropped his bow. And everyone was kind of like, you know, worried, like, oh, maybe he's not going to win this time. And um, and also, you know, like when he's in the water with Kalia, and, and Kalia bites his chest and kind of wraps him up. And so he, he's like, this is a common thing where he uh, appears to drop the ball. Attract, I mean, attractive. Yeah. Yeah. You read a novel, and in the novel, today was a beautiful day. N nothing really happened. Everything went just as planned. And the next day, yeah, another beautiful day. Nothing happens. It's like living on Maui. You don't, you don't even. Nothing happens, and the weather's always the same. So you don't, you don't even know you exist. But the the lila means ex excitement. There's always some th drama. I was thinking also how. When Nishringadev caught Hirani Kashipu, he let him go at a certain point. And all the demigods freaked because they were thinking like, they, he saw us up here cheering on, <laughs> cheering on Nishringadev and now we're really going to get it. <laughs> and, but he was just playing around. And uh, he does that to make it interesting. Make it interesting. Yes. In relation to this Vishnu's question and your answer, I was wondering um, if it also has to do with the, the level that we take shelter, like in, in reference to like how much we're influenced by the material qualities. Because you were saying that the devotee um, takes shelter and then after that, uh, it's just, it's not our karma, but it's Krishna's interaction in our life. But I'm wondering if, like, it's also, like, one moment I might be reading Bhagavatam and taking shelter and not feeling influenced by the material nature, and the next moment my mind goes off somewhere else and I feel like I am being influenced. So is it also, like, a moment-to-moment -moment taking shelter? Yeah, it's a progressive a path. The surrendering path is called sharnagati, which means 
their various levels uh, and categories of surrender. For instance, accepting those things that are favorable, rejecting things that are unfavorable, always feeling like Krishna is my sole maintainer, and that uh, feeling that um, that uh, I'm always meek and humble, and um, and surrendering everything to Krishna and so forth. You still have to go through the process of anartha nivritti and come to nishta and from nishta to ruchi and from ruchi to asakti and asakti to bhava and bhava to prema. Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur says in the Madhurya Kadamani that until you actually uh, not only attain prema but you're seeing Krishna face to face like in the same room, <laughs> that's when the purification is complete because there, there may be some residual effects from offenses, uh, previous offenses that are that are there, so there are varying degrees of of purification, and just to mention it, the the process of anartha nivritti is um, described by Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur when he says that there are uh, obstacles, the five main obstacles to overcome to attain nishta and to go through anartha nivritti or the symptoms of an art nivriti or being attached to the material world. The first is that um, one sleeps while doing bhajan. In other words, I do my chanting or whatever kind of worship, hearing Bhagavatam, but then I've, I'd rather be sleeping. It's not because I'm tired, it's just because I'm not interested. Because if someone told you you won the lottery, you'd wake right back up again. And then there's distraction and that means that my mind tends to be distracted even when I'm chanting or hearing, and then it goes elsewhere. Uh, again, uh, this is the symptom of an art of of uh, an artist. They're still there within the heart to some degree. And then he describes that you're not distracted, you're not sleepy at all, but you just don't care. That one, that's the third one. And then he says there's innate. Material desires uh, within the heart or material qualities that are uh, that come out from time to time, like anger or lust, they just bubble up somehow. And then there's a natural attraction the senses have their, for their objects, which is very similar. But he says when these are these five are absent, then one is known to be situated in nishta. So it's not that in the surrender process there's not still work to do. And that it means that we're, we're free from our karma, that, that all of a sudden we have no more uh, uh, distractions or um, obstacles to overcome. But it does mean that we're definitely um, in the hands, in Krishna's hands. Discussing with Haridas Thakur and Sanatana Goswami about the nature of, of the devotee, and he says that once the devotee surrenders, he's no longer. Uh, he no longer has a, a, a physical body. But he's got a, he may not have a completely liberated body or liberated state, but he's a sadaka. Sadaka deha, his body is now being used for Krishna's service. It's got a ways to go to come to the perfect stage. So you're still in, you're still in that category that you're liberated because you took shelter but there's still some obstacles to overcome to come to the perfect stage. And that you will, because Krishna says, declare it boldly. Anyone's taken to the process of devotional service. 
So in that matter, you can do it the easy way or the hard way. So you can voluntarily surrender more and more and do it preemptively. Say, no, no, Krishna, I'll just surrender. And that's all, options always open. Or you can go kicking and screaming. <laughs> and, uh, and in that regard, Prabhupada writes, in the Upadesh Amrita preface, he says that once the devotee has started the process of devotional service, even if he changes his mind, Krishna will drag him to the ultimate destination. I got embarrassed once when my mother took me to get some shot at the doctor's. I was just a kid. I was really afraid of getting a shot. She said she'd give me ice cream if I was good. And I, I was pretty good all the way up until I saw the needle. <laughs> and then I freaked out. <laughs> they had to drag me. <laughs> ah! I always remember that. Somehow or other, if I could have just surrendered to the ice cream, I would have made it. Anyways, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, we'll take it afterwards because we're over time. TB TBC, to be continued. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktivinoda Ki Jai. Thanks to everyone who joined us online and here in the live studio audience at the uh, uh, ISKCON of Brooklyn. Shishi Radha Govinda Ji Ki Jai, Vanchakopada Rusha, Kripas Nabevicha, Patitanam Pavani Bhu. Nacharyar Marman, Nacharyar Marman, Nacharyar Marman, Nacharyar Marman, hey Nacharyar Marman, Nacharyar Marman, Nacharyar Marman, Nacharyar Marman.